Good morning, it's Friday, October 7th, 2011, and Audible presents the New York Times Audio Digest. Here's what's on the front page this morning with Time Short, Jobs Managed Farewells. U.S. panel says no to prostate test for healthy men, and Obama describes nation's economy as dire. In today's national headlines, Romney wins backing of key GOP donors. Race-based names dot the national landscape. And in Wall Street protests, opportunity and threats for Obama. In today's business headlines, some unemployed fault extending jobless aid. With caution, Europeans keep rates unchanged. And sales rise in September and upscale retailers lead the way. On Wall Street, the Dow was up 183 points yesterday, or 1.68%, and opens this morning at 11, 123 and a third. There will be more business stories, along with more national and world news, a roundup from the sports page, and New York Times columnist Paul Krugman. Now, as selected by the editors of the New York Times, here are the stories on today's front page. The top story is titled with Time Short, Jobs Managed Farewells, reported by Charles Duhigg. Over the last few months, a steady stream of visitors to Palo Alto, California, called an old friend's home number and asked if he was well enough to entertain visitors, perhaps for the last time. In February, Stephen Jobs had learned that after eight years of fighting cancer, his time was becoming shorter. He quietly told a few acquaintances, and they in turn whispered to others, and so a pilgrimage began. The calls trickled in at first. Just a few, then dozens, and in recent weeks, a nearly endless stream of people who wanted a few moments to say goodbye, according to people close to Jobs. Most were intercepted by his wife, Laureen. She would apologetically explain that he was too tired to receive many visitors. In his final weeks, he became so weak that it was hard for him to walk up the stairs of his own home anymore, she confided to one caller. Jobs spent his final weeks, as he'd spent most of his life, in tight control of his choices. He invited a close friend, the physician Dean Ornish, to join him for sushi at one of his favorite restaurants, Jinsho in Palo Alto. He said goodbye to longtime colleagues, including the venture capitalist John Doerr, the Apple board member, Bill Campbell, and the Disney chief executive Robert Iger. He offered Apple's executive advice on unveiling the iPhone 4S, which occurred on Tuesday. He spoke to his biographer, Walter Isaacson. He started a new drug regime and told some friends there was cause for hope. But mostly he spent time with his wife and children, who will now oversee a fortune of at least $6.5 billion and, in addition to their grief, take on responsibility for tending to the Jobs' legacy. In his final months, Jobs' home, a large and comfortable but relatively modest brick house in a residential neighborhood, was surrounded by security guards. His driveway's gate was flanked by two black SUVs. On Thursday, as online eulogies multiplied and the walls of Apple stores in Taiwan, New York, Shanghai, and Frankfurt were papered with hand-drawn cards, the SUVs were removed and the sidewalk at his home became a garland of bouquets, candles, and a pile of apples, each one with a bite carefully removed. Everyone always wanted a piece of Steve, said one acquaintance, who was rebuffed when he sought to say goodbye. He created all these layers to protect himself from the fanboys and other people's expectations and the distractions that have destroyed so many other companies. But once you're gone, you belong to the world.